This is the Fashion Photograph Podcast with Walid Azami, where we will discuss the process of breaking into the business, finding your success, and leaving a positive mark on the industry. Okay, guys, so we have in the studio today Pam Watson from PamelaWatsonStyle.com. And Pam is somebody that I've worked with many, many times in New York and L.A. and even abroad. Um, so welcome to the podcast, Pam. Thank you. Glad to be here. Okay, so can you tell us a little bit about um, how you got started? Actually, before you, how you tell us how you got started, um, can you name some of your clients that you've worked with over the years? Um, sure. I have worked with R. Kelly. I've worked with um, Brian McKnight, Tony Braxton, Jasmine Sullivan, um, Michelle Williams, Destiny's Child, Jessica Simpson, Kid Rock, and it goes on and on, but it doesn't just stop at entertainment. I've worked on first ladies to other politicians and senators and congressmen. It just depends on who the client is for that day, but it goes from the White House to the recording studios. It doesn't matter. What is it do you think about you that you can attract such a large base of clientele? You've got male artists, you've got female artists, and yeah. then you have first ladies and you have different politicians. Right. That's a huge spectrum. Well, I feel like I'm a woman of very, very facets, and you know how to, you know, honestly, it's about your hustle. You know how to to be um, streetwise and savvy, and you also know how to what fork to pick up when you're having dinner. So it it just you have to just know who your client is and how to adapt. Okay, so now let's go back a little bit to the beginning. How did you get started as a stylist? Um, I didn't know there was such a job called stylist. I actually went to school um, and decided I wanted to be a buyer. I thought they were the people that get on planes and um, fly and see uh, fashion shows in Milan and, and decide what the looks are going to be that the people wear. And I quickly realized that that is not what that industry is, and I hated it. It was more analytical. It was number crunching, and the only time that I seemed to um, light up is twice a year when it was market week, when we would go to showrooms and meet designers who would want us to buy their things. And um, I just wanted out. I was out of college, and I was bored as hell. <laughs> so I, um, I left. I took a, a severance pay for some... Um, for the, the the business was closing down, they were they were coming together with another business, and they offered us a package, and I took it and I ran, and um, started interning until I figured out that there's people out there that pay me to do this for a living, and um, so the journey began. So I did a lot of free labor, and in between, I bounced in clubs. You did. I did. Did you? Okay. I bounced clubs on the weekend. Okay, so you did a complete 180 mm -hmm. from, I guess, the analytical side of fashion. Right. And then you got a severance pay, and you're like, okay, this is what I want to do. You discover this other side that you can make money and make a living styling people. I hoped. Right. But right. you've done very well. You've worked with some, I would say, some A-list names. Yeah, I would say that. I feel, I feel accomplished in what I've done so far. 
I've been doing it for a long time and to be a freelancer is not an easy job. And so I've gone from being a, you know, single lady to having, you know, a husband and kids. And it kind of has um, kept me going through all of those different phases of life. So, yeah, I consider myself pretty lucky. What What do you think it is about you that makes that you keep getting booked back to back with these big names? Um, I think it's word of mouth. I think you just are as good as your last job. And if you look at it that way and you have this kind of perfectionist mentality and a good personality, you know, I, I, I think that it's just a great combination. At the end of the day, I don't think I'm the warmest person. I just think that um, either you get me or you don't. And thankfully, most people have gotten me. But there's been a lot that don't, you know. But I'm sure I've been called plenty of names. <laughs> would, would you say then that somebody... So is that one of the main ingredients for success, just to be yourself? Or should you try to bend and really try to please as many people as possible? I think it's a bit of, it's a bit of both. I don't feel like I have always known who I'm supposed to, who I am. I think sometimes as stylists, we kind of do what we think we're supposed to do. We do what the client wants us to do. And a lot of the times I wish I stood up to some of them and said, don't put that shit on because it looks stupid, you know, mm -hmm. but you kind of have to play the role and you, you kind of give the baby the candy. And then when they look to the left, you snatch it out their hand and they don't even know it. So it's kind of like you learn how to be a psychologist, psychiatrist, a mother, a, a you know, the confidant, you, you, their best friend. You kind of wear all these different hats. And um, at the end of the day, you just want them to look good. So whatever I have to do to get you, I mean, not whatever. <laughs> <laughs> not exactly that far. Um, I've never had to go that far, thankfully. But, um, you know, it's just a matter of respect. And, um, you know, I think that's fleeting now. I don't think that's really out there anymore. Why do you think that is? Um, I feel like the craft, it has been um, watered down. Uh, I think the internet has definitely made fans into stylists. I've never heard before of salespeople being called stylists before. And it's, it's almost to affect a place where it's an insult to me. It's a craft, it's a skill. It's not a hobby. So. What is it about, what would you say to somebody that is starting out, someone right now that is listening to this podcast and they're in school and thinking about going into fashion? When you say it's, it's a craft, not a hobby, can you go a little bit deeper into that? Knowing the history of fashion? That's it, one thing. That's yeah. one thing. Did you, can you turn, can, can I turn to you and say, give me the 20s and you know what that is? What are some of the key style elements of the 40s? Do you know what that is? You know, the one thing that I feel like I learned, <clears throat> and it wasn't by book knowledge either, because I didn't go to school for fashion. I went to school for um, communications and rhetoric because I thought I was going to do something on radio or, you know, a television. I didn't think fashion was going to be my thing. And I also did business. 
But when I was about to leave school and come back to New York and go to FIT, because I said, okay, I think I want to do this fashion thing and be a buyer, I was told by uh, a fashion executive that came to our school for a job fair to not leave. He was like, what are you doing? Why would you leave here? I was like, because this is not a fashion school. And he was like, fashion is in you. If you know it, you know it. Learn the business. And I don't know who that man is. And if I ever bumped into him today, I wouldn't know. But he really, I think, is the reason that I've been able to stay in this business as long as I have and kind of had the fortitude to hold tight, even when it ebbs and flows, because this industry is not for the weak at heart. If you can't handle going weeks sometimes without a paycheck, it can happen. What do you do then? What's your plan B? And everybody needs one, especially as a, a fashion stylist, a freelancer, which I think is the most guerrilla-like way to be a stylist because you kind of have to pick, I don't know, you just have to do it in pieces. Mm-hmm. You put this together. It's almost like to MacGyver it, and I'm trying to find a way to say it, but most people probably don't know what MacGyver, who MacGyver was yeah. if you watched the show, but it was this this guy who knew how to put toothpicks and straw and and a match and make a bomb. It was just yeah. kind of like you figure it out as you get go along and you make it work, like Tim Gunn says. Make it work. Make it work. Make it work. And that's what this is as a stylist. I mean, you could be a fashion stylist in television. Um, you could be a fashion stylist in movies. You can be a fashion stylist for a company in, in a sense where you give the designers consultations on what the style elements are. Um, you can even work for uh, different stores and be a fashion director, which pretty much is the people that tell the buyers, this is the trend, this is what it should be. So there's just so many different places that you can be a stylist and maybe still have the um, stability of a regular paycheck um, or the security of having 401ks in the union. <laughs> you know, there's different ways to go about it. For me, I think I had elements of ADD and that I always wanted it to be different, every job to be different. So as a freelancer, I didn't just do music videos. I've done commercials. I've done ad campaigns. I've done editorials, music videos, you know, album cover shoots, everything about each one of those uh, different shoots or films or shooting, it's something about it that's unique. A commercial, you get paid well, but it's boring as hell. We'll sit down and do a meeting about whether that shirt should be buttoned four buttons or three buttons, and that may take all day. A music video, you got 30 seconds to figure it out and it better look good because we got to shoot. And, um, you know, it's the fast-pacedness of it that I love, fast money. It's quick, it's hard, but it's fun. And then, you know, commercials is steady money. So it, is, it just depends on what's your, what's your thing. Do you think somebody needs to have a thing or do you think we, you got to have many things to make a paycheck to, to live? I think you have to find what your thing is. Like one of my best friends, we started this industry together, and she had a, a child early in her, you know, in our after college, obviously, but still early in her life, and she needed more stability. She couldn't do what I was doing, where you don't know this, what the next job is, and you just keep, you know, hustling. 
So she took a job in television. And so she's been doing um, wardrobe supervisor for years. And she's well-known and well-respected, but she also has more stability. And... And you know, that's the trade-off. That's the versus, trade-off. Because she doesn't have the creativity. She's, right. She doesn't have to do the creativity part. And she's fine with that. She's fine with that. Okay. Yeah. But I think somebody like yourself, you would probably would die in that position. I probably would. I probably yeah. would. I mean, even in having been a stylist for all of these years, I probably could do okay not hustling as a freelancer anymore. I think I'm about to a place where I've done it well enough that I want to move to the next phase. And that's something no one tells you either. Whether it's fashion styling, whether it's banking, it doesn't matter. Once you graduate and you get this career, quote unquote, you think that you do, you know, your time, you put your your years in and then you make your money and you retire, live in Tahiti, do whatever, you know, live on the French Riviera. But honestly, by the time I do now understand what midlife crisis is. Mm Mm-hmm. It's not, it's, it's not so much the bald guy with the convertible as it is the person that has put all their time and energy into a craft and now they've either peaked or they are bored and they want to do something else with the latter half of their life. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if you know you're at the middle road and from here it's to, to geriatrics, you want to go for the gusto. Like, you know, so I get it. What what would you tell um, a younger Pam that started after all your years of experience mm. and your clientele and everything? What would you say to and and I'm talking about the Pam that was interning for free after the severance pay? That's really a good question. I would tell that Pam, don't get blinded by the light. You know, it's like it's a it's it's a glamorous lifestyle and it's kind of like the shit will dry up. Everything that's water will be dry and everything for everybody, that's right? for everybody. Yeah. So it's almost like you have to have a plan B always in place. And what is that going to be? Because after I mean, as being as young as I was and making as much money as I was, it was like you just think it's going to keep rolling like that. And you don't take the precautions that you need to, the investments that you need to, because you just think it's going to keep rolling like that. And it rolled. It, it it's it's come to a place where it's like nobody lives like that anymore. No, no one lives like that anymore. So, would you say to somebody that is in school right now to go to go pursue styling? I kind of try to. I, I really. I put it to them in a way to just really make them think about it really hard first. It's like, are you doing it because you like it? Are you doing it because you like to shop? Because if that's what it is, you'll burn out so fast. You'll burn out fast enough that you'll have enough time to find a new career. Do you know what I mean? Oh, so real fast. You'll burn out fast. Hell yeah. Because that's not enough to keep you. It's not. You have to have a deep passion for this or you're going to burn out. What's kept you? I have a passion for this. I have a passion for this. I've always loved fashion. But in different... I thought I was going to be a model when I was a kid. I thought I could be. And it wasn't because I thought I was pretty in that way. I just thought I was long and lanky and I had a a body like a model. But 
I wasn't long enough. I wasn't tall enough. I wasn't lanky enough. So I was just like, oh, well, somewhere in there I'm going to be, you know, like my aunt who you would walk in, the, in a family function with her first stole. And I would just sit in the stare. corner and just stare at her because she gave, she had such presence. And I was like, I want to be her. And, you know, it was just kind of like that woman is kind of who I feel like I have emulated in a sense that I want to draw that kind of attention. I want the room to turn and see me. Like I'm a, I like attention, but I don't suck the room out of the air, the air out of the the room. room. (laughs) So it's kind of like, you know, I think if I can't do it for myself, if I can't, if I couldn't be in front of the camera, I wanted to be the person that made the person in front of the camera look amazing. And you've done that. So then let's, let me ask. I made lemonade. That'll be unsafe. I'm just saying. Oh, no, I didn't. I made lemonade. I mean, I couldn't be the model. So I became the person that dressed the model or the artist, you know what I mean? So it's like, if you don't get it the way you initially thought it, if you really want it, you'll find a way to get it. So, you know, think about it. If you like to shop and, but styling maybe is not your thing. Maybe you want to look into being a, a, a personal shopper for someone or a personal assistant or maybe you'll just be a specialist for a brand. Right. You know, like there's different ways to get the whole, like a specialist for a brand. It's like you're a glorified salesperson, but you are um, above a salesperson's level. Like you're an executive and they look to you to train people to sell their stuff. So, I mean, there's different ways to get to skin a cat, to peel an orange, to make, you know, like there's, there's always a way if you really want it. This is The Fashion Photograph. Find us on thefashionphotograph.com. What else do you think somebody needs? Patience. I don't have patience. I've never had patience. And I think a lot of that probably... How, how could they use patience? Dealing with people? Yeah. It's a, really? That's all you need. You, I mean, if you have patience, you can deal with a lot of different personalities. I do better with men. I do much better with men for whatever reason, for whatever my chemistry is. We get along much easier. Maybe they think I'm cute and they just let me do what I want to do. It's probably the answer. I'll take that. Ain't nothing wrong with a woman's feminine wiles working in her favor. Um, and females always seem to want to give other females to me, in my opinion, um, the blues for some reason. Okay. They, I mean, it's always a, a, a comparison or, you know, they feel threatened in it's some way. It's not just about the work. There's a whole other layer of... Of whatever your issues are. And we yeah. all have them on all women, all men. Every person has things about them that they're insecure about. And the most insecure person is the one that's the, is the one that is most in front of the public. Isn't that weird? Bizarre beyond yeah. belief. Yeah, that's the weirdest mm-hmm. thing. I, I, I was surprised when I saw that. Most of How the clients, needy. very needy, very insecure. Right. And, you know, and that's why a lot of them keep yes men around them because they need that constant reassurance. But it's hard to always be on, um, it's not on blast, but just always, always on, the, on. 
well, always on and looked at. Like you're always yeah. watched. It's almost like you are. It's almost like what Justin Bieber said, which kind of makes sense. And I don't really know how I can say that legitimately and say Justin Bieber made a point. But you know, when he stopped taking pictures with with fans, as he said, he started to feel like a product. Mm-hmm. Like you know, He's folks no dummy, doesn't though. say hello. Yeah. Folks don't say hello. Or folks don't engage him. They just stick a picture a phone in front of him and take a picture like he's not a person mm-hmm. and he hated that i think the way he's dealing with it is not necessarily the best way because it turns people off but i get the fact that he he realizes he's a product i think beyonce is a product she is she has been made and manufactured in a way where she is this huge superstar and it was at the hands of very creative very smart people who were a, was able to capitalize off of her talent, but she um, do I th- you know think people like that have a lot to speak for them say for themselves? No, probably not. No, no, they'll look to the corner and see who told them. If you know, can I say that? You know, that kind of thing. Do you think that um, men have it different as a stylist in fashion than women? Would you say they have it easier, or or this is the one of those fields that men actually are at a disadvantage? I think men have the advantage, even in styling. And why? You know, I love men styling more than I love women styling, and I think it's because men have the same silhouettes. It doesn't change. I'm, no, I'm sorry. I'm saying as a male stylist. Oh. Do they have it easier in this industry versus a female? Oh, absolutely. And Especially why Especially gay men. Okay, why is that? Because... The expectations that they're going to be better? I think it's almost like, remember that show where it was like the gay guys who made over the regular, like, heterosexual guys? Queer Eye for a Straight Guy. Yes. Yeah. I think that is the common denominator across the boards that the queer guy has the fashion sense, the sensitivity that a woman w- would want for a companion. He's all the things that a woman would want, but he doesn't want a woman. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like they're the best friend that most women are looking for in a companion, and they don't have to feel threatened that they want, they're, they're wanted for the sexuality part. Okay. And so now you have this perfect person as your friend who knows style, who can look at you and tell they're you. They're not competitive. They're not competitive. There you go. Okay. And that is, so you are saying, though, then, from what you have seen, that the gay man has a slight advantage in this type of an industry. He has a huge advantage. I didn't say slight. Okay. At- your biggest regret as a stylist. You did say not standing up for yourself at times, but is there mm. some part of your road that you would like to have done again? Yeah. I probably would have been a lot more frugal when everything okay. was the 90s was here. Right. <laughs> Saying in the 90s when it's almost like the rivers ran gold and I swam in it. You know, backstroked in it, breaststroked in it, <laughs> had a good old time. And um, I wish I was a little bit more reserved in 
spending and living that luxurious life because when the industry kind of changed, so did the way the funds, you know, were given out and were, were the, the money you were making. And so it would have been nice to have thought about it like that um, back then. Do you think those days are back or that they will come back? No. 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 I think it's over. I think, honestly, now it's about trying to figure out um, how to work within the parameters of what's here. It'll never run that same way again. So more than ever, if somebody wants to be a stylist, that love has got to be there because the money is not the as money much. Isn't, it's, not as, as, it's, it's not as spread evenly and openly and widely as it used to. There's money to be made in fashion. You just have to um, find your niche. But as far as music is concerned, I don't think it's in music anymore. The internet killed music. The, the people that are going to listen to this, likely a lot of them, are they want to get started into being a stylist. and So your experience is invaluable to them. If you could sit with somebody right now, they're, let's just say, 20, um, what would you tell them they need to do for what, – what would be their 12-month uh, – their goal? What would be their goal in 12 months? What should they do first? What should they plan for? Well, I think that no matter what, they need to um, get their game up on Instagram um, and get those followers. Um, definitely make their page about whatever it is that is their passion because you can't keep it up if it's not for real. Mm-hmm. Um, and photo, uh, take photos, get shots and shoots. Uh, I mean, depending on what you want to be and what kind of stylist are you. If you want to be a freelancer, you have to go out there and, and get some photos and get a portfolio started. Um, How do you get photos? You do, um, you find other people that's part of Glam. You find a photographer, you find a makeup artist, a hairstylist, and you, you four, five, how many was that, come together and you say, okay, we're going to do a shoot. Let's come together on a story and make it happen. Find a model and you create right there and then. That's tangible worth of your talent. You right. have to show that. And I feel like you'll find people who are hungry just like you are for material and you come together. And that's how you start it. I mean, what's great about it now is you don't have to print any of these photos. It's all digital. So, um, you know, you should be able to turn those kind of shoots around pretty quickly, especially if you have a friend who's a designer, can go to, you know, these Salvation Army or off-brand places and find really great clothes. Your style is your style, but um, you don't have to spend all of that money to do a photo shoot or try to get in the latest showrooms and have the season, the current season of Dior. It's not necessary. It's about style. Your personal touch. Mm-hmm. Okay. Would you say, as a stylist, New York or Los Angeles? Los Angeles. Why? Because there's a lot more entertainment here. It's everyone's a damn actor. It's everyone's in entertainment, a producer from something. So if it's TV or award shows or, you know, movies, it's just everything is here. 
you know, I love LA. I just don't want to be here to feel an earthquake. I don't think I can take it. But other than that, I would, I would live here if I could. All right. So for the next question, let's talk about pricing a little bit because anyone that wants to start, one of the things they want to talk about is, and let's talk about styling for music videos and photo shoots mainly, which is what, you know, you have a lot of experience in. Where do they even start? How do they find what their daily rate is? Well, I mean, for me, I had an agent. So the agent would kind of deal with the money part of it, which helps because, I don't know, as a creative, I don't want to fight with the client. And sometimes you have to fight to get your money. And then you have to turn around and work with these people creatively and you know there's steam coming out their ears you know you you don't want that kind of energy so you rather have somebody else play the bad cop so you can be the good cop and and keep an arm's distance to all of the business but when you don't have that and you don't have somebody who can even be a manager to just help you get get your money or set the, the 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 prices um i would I mean, this is where a a good support group helps. Like, I would just talk to other stylists. Here's where if you've interned, call someone who's been a mentor to you and ask them. I have a job. She's an aspiring uh, singer, and she's going for her first showcase. You know, what do you think I should charge her? I mean, honestly, to me, I ask people, what's your budget? Mm -hmm. And then I set based on that but that's a dance in of itself right? it is because they don't want to really tell you a real number so let me tell you this whatever number they tell you that's not the bottom that's their bottom that's not their top they're trying to give you a number that they they're really acting like is awful and they can't afford that but they wouldn't have offered that number so if they say well all i have you know is like 250 dollars to for you to dress me be like well i could do 500 Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And at least you can feel, as long as you can walk away and feel like you have made some money, now you get to take photos of that person and use it for your portfolio. Okay. And so it adds to your brand. Then now you get a couple of pictures of people who showcases or, or photo shoots you've done. Now you can ask for seven fifty. And you build up from there. You build from there. And I mean, and then you, you, you know, it's, a, it's an average. So some days, some projects, you might really just do a 500. Do you think that an agent or a manager is necessary? Not in, in, in the new market? Not necessarily so, as long as, you stay, as long as you stay in the mix. If you are somebody who is really not um, a social person or not um, comfortable in um, environments where you have to sell yourself because you have to, it's almost like that elevator um, what do they call the it elevator pitch. the elevator pitches yeah. it's like if you don't have that quick two minute pitch down then you're going to lose you're going to need somebody to pitch for you so but I, honestly for somebody like myself who's had an agent from jump from 2000 um, I think from before 1999, but let's say 2000 on, um, you kind of lose your knack to um, promote yourself, to advertise okay. your own shit because somebody else, you know, is doing it for you. 
So um, you lose your hustle or you depend on that person to find that job, those jobs for you. And then what happens when they're not doing it? Do you still have those connections? And also, when you do photo shoots for whomever you work with as a stylist, get their card. Stay in connection, contact with them. Keep that connection because you may need them down the line. Right. Just keep them because, honestly, the best jobs are the ones that are consistent. When a photographer likes their stylist, they call that stylist over and over again when they are shooting. So when a photographer likes finds a good makeup artist, good hair person, good stylist, that's a crew. And he brings his crew where he goes because he doesn't want to deal with new personalities or mm-hmm. fucked up personalities mm-hmm. or bad work. So um, it's always a good deal when you can keep a good relationship with a photographer. Why do you think I'm friends with you? <laughs> <laughs> you never know. And the final question is... How do you keep your sanity? I've learned to love a good cocktail. Okay. I've become a cocktailologist. (laughs) (laughs) So I did. And I also love cooking. Like you just find the other things that you love to do. So I'm stressed out, had a long week or two weeks or whatever, and I go to the house and I'm in the kitchen cooking. I mean, it's another form of art. Right. And that's what I, I feel like the creative comes out but in that way. it's yours. It's for you. There's no client over your shoulder. It's for me to give yeah. to others, though. Like, my enjoyment is making it pretty and making it taste good, but watching people enjoy it. Okay. Over a good cocktail. Over a good cocktail. Always. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This was fun. This is the Fashion Photograph. Find us on thefashionphotograph.com.